one, two, three, four, five. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We are on episode 24. We are two weeks into the new year and um, already out of ideas. <laughs> that's not, it's not necessarily <laughs> true, but that's how I feel whenever I'm trying to put these topics together in the morning. Luckily, as well, you I'm bursting with ideas today, mate. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're very quickly becoming the brains of this podcast. What? That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, yeah, topics. I, I do want my very first one that I want to get into right off the bat before I forget about it, and we go into something that's a more lengthy discussion. We talked about New Year's resolutions a couple podcasts back, we and did. I, I want to point out that I have, uh, as of the beginning of this week, I have established mine and have been following it all week. Oh, yeah? What is it? So, I, following our kind of tenants, our... our thoughts on what the best way to uh, yeah. construct one was, I tried to make one that was both flexible and doable, but also would give me some kind of a tangible benefit. Mm, so my resolution is at least four days a week before I have breakfast in the morning, I need to do something productive, right? So that could be chores, housework, it it could be um, uh, doing a workout. That's why we're starting so late, because of your New Year's resolution. <laughs> that, that's, that is actually why, because not only did I have to do my normal stuff in the morning, but so basically, and I have um, uh, a notebook that I have over there uh, that I had used for a previous New Year's resolution, and so just every day I'm logging down what it is. So like one day this week, I you know, took out the trash and recycling, did a bunch of push-ups, and uh, did the dishes, right? Um, and but all this all has to be before I start work too, because I'm not counting work as something productive, which I find kind of funny. <laughs> but um, or like another day this week, I edited the podcast that's going up today and set it to upload. That again, something productive. Um, one day this week, I hopped on the elliptical, did a mile on that, and then um, you know vacuumed the house. Just little, basically, and it can be smaller, but like it could just be something. Like this morning, it was just push-ups, curls, and squats, and then I was done. Just, like, one set of each. Yeah. So, and I also don't log anything that happens after I eat breakfast. So that's that's okay. kind of the uh, the chopping so off it, point. It sounds more like, instead of... Um, I can't remember the phrase you used. Uh, it sounds more like you're doing things that you're not obliged to do, as opposed to not putting in effort. Exactly, yeah. So these are yeah. things that I could put off, and... Um, but they're all things that will have a, a benefit somehow to my day if I don't put them off. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah, me, I... Oof, it was a real struggle first. So when we recorded the um, New Year's resolution one, it was what, five days before the New Year. Mm -hmm. And I went out after the podcast. I did a mile-long run. Mm. And I got home uh, very lightheaded, very... Ugh. Um, and that like super kind of set my mind back so I did exactly what I said you shouldn't do in the podcast in that I went <laughs> too far too soon so I toned it back uh, yesterday uh, today as well I'm doing I've been doing kilometer runs hmm. just so that I get my breathing back into um, proper circulation I guess yeah, because I've I've done it before. I've been going running, and I'll do it a day 
well, every, every other day or every day. And the most, the biggest hurdle at the beginning, like the first week or two, is just getting the breathing through. Mm. Like, so I'm breathing properly and it doesn't hurt when I breathe while I'm running. Uh, right. What comes after that is like the, um, what I consider the real <laughs> workout, which is, you know, the leg. Your legs are exhausted by the time you get back, and that's the stage I want to get back to. Mm. Um, and it's uh, it's getting there again slowly. Um, I know today I was a lot faster than I was yesterday. Um, yeah, and keeping it to one kilometer, maybe what I'll do is I'll just try and get a little bit faster with that kilometer each time, mm. as opposed to further. Uh, and then when I get a decent speed, I guess. I'll yeah, when, start, yeah. Increasing when the, the one kilometer becomes child's play, then you can think about precisely. It. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm just taking it steady. Gonna make my way up. I'm still gonna stick with the want to be running a mile at some point every day. Well, that's, that's I just need to work towards it. Yeah, that's good. That with the um, from the like the psychological perspective too, if doing just the mo going through the motions and doing it, like yeah. when. I remember when I used to do uh, like CrossFit, right? And they'd have you do like these really intense lifts. They would have you practice with basically no weight at all for a while. And the idea was just going through the motions and training your body to like, you know, follow through with the proper form and technique. And I think it's the same thing from a mental perspective. You're, even though it's not like something super demanding you're training your mind that okay i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna run and i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna run and then you're getting the breathing right and you know then you can worry about actually training like really hard if you want to yeah yeah so, it's just a little uh, time yeah that's good yeah i just wanted to uh do that because i know we we talked about forming news resolutions but as of last week's podcast i hadn't thought of mine yet hmm uh, also, I've been keeping up to uh, keeping up with the Twitter as well. Mm. Um, just about yeah. it's yeah, it's kind of hard because like obviously we don't uh, yet have anyone following the Twitter. So I'm, <laughs> every time I go on it, I'm like, I'm just doing this for no reason at all. But I am doing it for a good reason. I'm doing it so that you know, one day it will grow. We will grow as a channel. Mm. And um, and it'll be there, and I'll have practiced for it, and I'll be ready. Um, so yeah, that's going well. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and you was there anything like, else? All you, all you people listening here, if any of you use Twitter, follow us. Damn it. <laughs> 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 no, I, I. But all, all that being said, I I say that, but I have I made a Twitter account and maybe used it for six months back in 2016 or 2015. And it was the least productive time of my life. Like, <laughs> fucking yeah. Well, don't go to the rest of Twitter. Just go on, just for us, and then yeah. never use Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god. Uh, there was actually a. Um, I was watching oh. a. Sorry, just before oh. before you get to that. Speaking of on the subject of t Twitter, um, because one of the few things that we follow on, like I, I made when I made the the podcast Twitter account. I had it follow a few people, and one of the people I had it follow was Elon Musk. He's now the richest man on Earth. Oh, really? The Tes Tesla stock jumped up by, 
a decent margin, and he just passed the uh, founder of Amazon. Oh, nice. That was um, a Christmas quiz I was listening to, well, obviously around Christmas, uh, and that question came out, who was the richest man on earth, so I guess that's not the correct answer anymore. I thought it was going to be like a Saudi Arabian prince or something, but no. Yeah, no, it's Tesla. Amazon dude. Their stock jumped up by like $200 a share. Um, like, it was a $200 bump upward, and they, yeah, now he's, um, he just, yeah, he's now the richest man on earth. Damn. Uh, yeah, cool. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Did I tell you about the, um, controversy with him recently, or not? Uh, It's I a bit know. political, so I don't really want I, to go I feel like it. there's always a controversy with him, like, because he's, he, he's the exact, like, he's, he's the Tony Stark type, where he's... He's rich and he's inventing all these cool things. With you know, he's making all these these companies. They're making these innovations, and then he goes on Twitter and shit posts. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he is a memer, that's for sure. Um, I mean, if it's is it the one about like pronouns? Yes, it is. Okay, yeah, I I have heard of this and I found that hilarious. But um, you know, oh yeah, a lot I of find, but I I always find it hilarious when somebody goes on social media and pisses someone off, like. <laughs> that's just entertainment to me that that was what oh. the internet was when I was growing up was you went online and tried to piss people off like <laughs> I mean that's kind of, that's why I'm surprised you don't use Twitter more because people get <laughs> people do are to easily be fair, on Twitter I, I lie when I said I made my first Twitter account in 2015 I actually made my first one in 2010 at the urging of um, one of my college friends and I got it banned within a week <laughs> Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't anything I said. It was the name I chose for the account. I, I called it a, like at bag of dicks. Okay, <laughs> original. <laughs> so, and and like all I did was just write stupid. To be fair, that's what I used Facebook for too. Was none of my like it's like tell us how your day's going, and I I would just write whatever random thought came to my mind that usually would be completely nonsensical and most of the time would just annoy people um yeah i i'm not the ideal social media user because they want people like so i think social media companies imagine people logging in there and interacting with human beings as if they would interact with them in real life but that's not how the internet works no that's kind of how discord works but yeah but Discord in general it's is a lot like, more homely. Right, you can speak on Discord and you can have video calls and so there's, there's a yeah. a closer um connection I think to people. Mm. Where where Discord is like a small cafeteria where you might be talking to a group of people. Facebook or Twitter or something is like a, a shopping mall and you're just standing in the middle screaming out that you had a nice coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I can just imagine that somebody walking out of like a coffee shop and just like, this coffee's great. <laughs> Hashtag ad. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, no. Um, but what I was gonna say just now was that um, I was watching a YouTube video and someone uh, made, well, a, a small group of people made a YouTube equivalent, right? Mm. Where. Creators will put their thing, put their uh, videos up, and they will get paid based on the uh, amount of time that people spend viewing their videos. Uh, the 
there is a cost to um, watching things on this platform, and it's I think I can't remember if it's a dollar or a pound a month. Mm. So, and also with that, there is zero ads as well on any of the videos. Um, okay. So I thought that <laughs> I mean, again, I I, I'm, I don't know anyone who this is this is not sponsored or anything. I'm just saying that sa- sounded like quite a nice idea. Yeah. What, do you know what the, the site was called? Because I, I know of a uh, few that follow a similar model. I I, th- I want to say it was called like Nebula or something. Okay. Because uh, I've heard of a site called uh, Minds.com and they follow a similar thing except it is free to go on the site um, and they don't it's not like monetary interactions but they you get like um this this fake currency for the site and then you can use that to tip and then the creators can use that to highlight their videos and get more people to watch them and they, yeah. it's just it, it was it's an interesting economy to it i i've i looked into it a few years back and um i think i poked around with the site a little bit but i didn't end up really using it um mm. yeah it's um it's hard to beat free. Yeah. Especially when Adblock works on YouTube. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I don't know. It seems like a, a nicer, better community kind of thing. Well, it's... Yeah, it's kind of the... that's That's been what's happening with... Um, honestly, with, with both... I think YouTube is the, is the one where everyone's at, right? So there's definitely going to be there, there's quality stuff out there, but you kind of have to dig for it. Oh yeah, there's so much trash. Um, but every so often you find a real a real mm. golden nugget, and you're like, damn, I want to watch this creator now. Yeah, two um two channels that I just found that I've been following because I'm a massive like history nerd. Um, I discovered a channel, like, it's it's mostly an alternate history channel, uh, called What If Altist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite good. The moment be- you said alternate history, I was like, the, the words what if came into my mind anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, okay, you should watch it too. Um, no, no, I haven't seen it, it's just oh, something okay. you do in general when... Yeah. I don't know. But, so, like, one, he did a series recently where he was talking, he, he's doing a series, like, looking at, um, potential developments in like global politics uh, geopolitics like how countries are going to be interacting with you, with each other over the next 10 to 20 years mm-hmm. and um one of the big uh contests coming up is the like a bunch of countries are cutting off each other's water supply because they need it the water for like other reasons and it's causing a lot of tension and it, it's just a very interesting analysis places that i hadn't even thought about in years but are we running out of water? No, no, no. But I'm uh, so an example is Ethiopia is building uh, a dam, uh, a bunch or a series of dams for hydroelectric power, but it's at yeah. the source of the Nile, and so that's going to cause serious it's water drive problems. A lot of land, yeah, yeah, for Egypt and one other country um, just south of Egypt. I can't remember what country is south of Egypt. Namibia, maybe. I'm uh, not great with geography. Doesn't matter. Not in the real world, anyway. So, <laughs> so, 
Ethiopia building this dam, they need the power to help their developing economy. But Egypt is like 90% of the population lives along the Nile. So if the Nile has yeah. less water, that's going to cause serious problems for them. Also just a massive tourism point. Yeah, that too. And so there's there's the two... Um, those two countries are, are kind of mad at each other right now. Uh, but that's that's just one example. So it's not like we're running out of water. It's just that the sources of some key water supplies are located in different countries than the ones that use them. Mm. So yeah, it's, just... it's like uh, playing, what is it, that city building uh, simulator game and putting like the, the poop outtake pipes at the top of the river and then the little cities down the road just get poop water. <laughs> I think I know what game you're talking about. Um, I think it's literally called City Building Simulator, isn't it? Well, I the City Skylines. No, City Skylines. That's yeah, the one. I, yeah. Um, but so that's that's one one channel. Another one that I, I ran into recently is uh, Economics Explained, and it's a it's exactly what it sounds like. But it's this Australian dude. Um, <laughs> that it, makes it far better. <laughs> it is hilarious hearing Economics Explained by a dude with a bogan accent. Like mm. it just. The, the only, I think, the thing you have to know last... about the account. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that accent. No, you can't. <laughs> I can't do. It. I tried and I fucked it up. The um the the only Australian channel I think I follow or have followed in the past. And I occasionally keep coming back to it. Is the um I think it's called How Ridiculous mm. or something. Well, they've basically just got this massive tower out in the middle of a mm. deserty forest, and they just drop shit off of it and yes. other things. I've seen those videos. You you actually probably and... sent me some before. Yeah, probably. I mean, that it's just, it's very, you don't need a brain, really, to watch it, but it's very satisfying. Sometimes just watching, like, I don't know, Thor's hammer at 200 feet colliding with a glass table at the bottom or something. <laughs> um, like, I don't know, it's, it's just very satisfying to watch. And yeah, their accents are on point. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so like, but that's that's kind of my point. Is there are gems out there, but it it yeah you know, takes you a bit to find them on YouTube. Um, yeah. So it'd be interesting, like going onto a site like that, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's it, like I said, I don't think it's ever going to beat YouTube because a it's free and b it's what everybody knows. Um, that being said, that's what they said about Facebook, and now I mean Facebook, predominantly used by middle-aged people who are angry about everything i don't know yeah it's just full of hate really yeah yeah i, I mean I it always kind of was i technically still have a facebook account but i haven't logged into it since january of last year right yeah it's all about pictures and things now these days and facebook is not as um yeah cohesive well for years that's all i used facebook for was i used it as a place to store photos but now right. I have plenty of extra hard drive space, so why bother? Yeah, I, I've used face. The only times I used Facebook in like the last year were to get in touch with people who I haven't seen in like three years. <laughs> yeah, I realized that we're we're twenty minutes into the first segment, and all we've really done we talked about New Year's resolutions for about four or five minutes, and then ragged yeah. on social media for the next. Yeah, I 15. mean, I'm just saying that bingo card's going to be looking pretty full already. <laughs> oh my god. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, sorry, do we have a second topic? <laughs> we still have the first topic. 
Wait, what was the first topic? <laughs> we haven't, I haven't even brought it up yet. I just I oh. mentioned the New Year's resolution thing. I thought that was the first topic. Well, I, I had that jotted down as just like, oh, as a follow-up, you know, let's, let's talk about, follow-up on the New Year's resolution thing. But the first mm. topic was the one you had from last week that we didn't actually uh, get a chance to talk about. And this is going to be, I feel like this is, this is much less interesting than... Ch- just shitting on social media, but I, I kind of. Well, we I do like, it every week, so we do gotta give them a slight break. I like the idea of it though. So, uh, the the topic that Blue suggested last week um, that we didn't get to was so in in a lot of video games, you'll have like um, key items, like tools, weapons, things that are a little bit fanciful or more realistic, and we wanted to just like think of some that would like either be ridiculous if they existed in real life or could actually work if they were in real life. Yep, um, it's it's that time again. Put your nerd goggles on. It's time for video games. Oh my god, you even said it like you had adenoids. <laughs> oh my god. Ugh. Okay, so the, um, the, the one that I used as an example when you brought this up last week that I, I feel hmm. like I'm just going to start with because it's very generic. The Legend of Zelda video games. Ooh. Um, okay. They had a bunch of like these kind of key items. So, like, use Ocarina of Time as an example. It was a game on the N sixty four, and now the three DS. I, I, hmm. I was gonna say I would say that all the items from Legend of Zelda, because Legend of Zelda is kind of like uh, set in the past, as it were. I think that most of the items in there are feasibly real. <laughs> ah, but here, this is this is why I wanted to. First, like, literally one of the best examples of something that would probably not work in real life. So, a couple of them, you're right. There's a sword, there's a shield, there's a boomerang, there's bombs. Those, yeah, all conceivable in real life. But there's also a weapon called the hook shot and the long shot. It's literally, like, if you picture something about the size, about like half the size of a bowling ball, right? That's the middle of it. It's got a handle on the one end and uh like a point like a harpoon on the other end and it fires out and there's a chain on it it hooks onto something and then like a grappling hook pulls you up to wherever it hooked into i thought that was just a grappling hook then though isn't it well a grappling hook is technically just a hook on the end of a rope that you throw and then you climb up but this is that's what i'm my point is this in the setting of this game is a ridiculous thing because a, where is all that chain being stored? Because there's not nearly enough room inside of that thing for the chain. Yeah. And b, that would rip his arm off. Would what? it? I mean, the amount of force you see him pull up with in the game, I. I oh, that, I see what you mean. Sorry, I thought you meant firing it, not getting pulled up by it. Yeah, no, getting um, pulled up by it. I mean, to be fair though, there'd have to be a lot of force behind it to fire the projectile to start with well, like and there, distance. yeah that's the other question it's like yeah what what is firing it out and what is it's like, like an RPG possible? just like yeah. <laughs> just singes his horse that's standing behind him even uh, like grappling hook guns that we have in real life they're a one shot thing you load the grapple hook in you aim it you yeah. fire the, a charge goes off inside the gun or the delivery device whatever it is and then it Ooh. fires the uh the hook up and then it hooks on and then you have to actually climb up the rope it doesn't automatically wind back up yeah i mean it's 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 slightly if you check in the the, the there's no re-chambering and uh i mean 
if if you okay, if you think about it like the uh, your favorite character in Apex, right? Mm. He uh, he puts down a base, right, and yeah. then fires off the thing, and then he can scale it that way, right? Yeah. Would that be feasible? I mean, that's kind of similar. The only difference is that it's got like it's attached to something where you're standing. I mean, it's a futuristic thing, but yeah. So you just like you're basically taking a base, pounding it into the ground, and that's now an anchor point. And then, like you said he's using a kind of explosive charge to fire the other base off at, uh, like, a long distance. It's no different than, like, yeah. a harpoon gun in that regard. And then he can travel even up, can't he, with uh, the things, like, you, you grab on something and it's, like, just a small motor in it that just whirs you along it, right? Yeah. It's a zipline. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not inconceivable. Right, but I'm—it's a different thing. Like that character in that game, if you look at him, he's got—he's got like he's a robot. He's got a giant winch on his back. Like, no, no. But I mean, it's not inconceivable in this day and age. Like, oh, in this day and age, yeah, yeah, it's not inconceivable. No, you could probably um, create something like that today, and I—I I guarantee you, some kind of spec ops unit in some country's military or several countries' military probably have something exactly like that. Maybe. Uh, I thought when okay when we were bringing up coming up with yeah. gadgets, I thought you were going to go straight in the deep end with Batman gadgets because <laughs> Batman's got a lot of fancy gadgets. It do, but going with Batman gadgets almost feels like going with James Bond gadgets. They're a little they're they're always a little bit uh off the off the deep end. What were you I thinking mean, of when you were thinking of Batman? The most the most significantly powerful gadget that he has the Batarang. Isn't it? Isn't it just like a shuriken shaped like a bat? No, they can do all sorts of stuff. I'm pretty sure in some of the games it has oh, like yeah. sonar emitting shit. It can come back. Uh, it he has the electrocution can kill one. Yeah, yeah. Smoke. What? It can kill people? No way! It's Batman. It can't. Yeah, kill Batman people. can't kill people. If he sharpened those wings, it could kill people. Well, that's the thing. I, I remember watching the the Batman movies like. The Dark Knight trilogy when they came out, mm. like I remember seeing when he first got the suit. I'm like, he's gonna kill somebody by accident at some point. <laughs> like Batman, like he doesn't. His whole character, except for the new Batman, the new Ben Affleck Batman, kills people all the time. But like the like a true iteration of Batman, like his whole shtick was he doesn't kill. He just seriously cripples people and leaves yeah. them with concussions and contusions all over their body. Like, they can live with that mistakes. <laughs> but then, like, when he's he's first looking at the suit in that first movie, like, um, Morgan Freeman's there talking to him about the suit, and, like, these blades pop out and fire across the room. Like, he's yeah. gonna he's gonna pull the wrong trigger, hit the wrong button on his suit, and he's gonna kill somebody. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> almost like in a video game where you're like, oh, I accidentally, like, jumped out of a window instead of crouching next to it, yes. <laughs> except his Batman it actually kills someone. Oh my god. I, <laughs> oh, sorry, misclick. I've done that. I did that in Cyberpunk so many times. I was trying uh, to open something up, and I hit the wrong button, threw a grenade at it, like... Just... Oh god, yeah. Grenades have... Yeah, it's always grenades, isn't it? It really is. And it bounces off a wall next to a door, and everyone's just like, oh shit. <laughs> well, so one thing I tried to do, like, there was a van um, that I had sorry. to destroy in the game, right? Yeah. And I... I 
tossed a grenade. Like, the back doors to the van were open. So I tossed, a, I tried to toss a grenade into the van. But there's an invisible wall where the doors normally are. So the grenade ricocheted oh. off of nothing and came <laughs> flying back into my face. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, my yeah. God. They, um... Yeah, I was playing Rainbow the other day, and the same thing happened. I was, like, crouching. We were Me and another operative had just entered the building. Uh, there was a small hole in a wall, and I was like, <laughs> I reckon I can get a grenade through there. <laughs> Pulled the pin out, cooked it, and then just as I was throwing it, the person I came in with steps in front of me. <laughs> the amount of time... <laughs> I'd already let go. <laughs> you have done that when I'm trying to deploy the goo traps as leeches. Oh! <laughs> but, yeah, no, that's different. All right, that's you just... Not being aware of your surroundings. That's not no, my fault. There's, there's a wind-up time for it. So he's like, he takes the thing off and then he throows it and I can't cancel it. And also, somebody you just don't take them. any damage from that. I you take do. damage from that. You just lose five points. And well, like, that, one kill is worth a hundred points. That damages my morale. You could also pick that goo up again and replace it. I, I can't spirit. replace my broken skull when I've dropped a grenade at the feet of myself and an ally. I take spiritual damage from that. Spiritual damage, yeah, right. <laughs> have you hit me with Sledge's hammer before? I have, yes. Where's my <laughs> spiritual revenge for that? <laughs> I lost a lot more points. Yeah, as you should, you crippled me with a hammer. <laughs> Also, um, just getting back to the topic topic of gadgets, because Rainbow Six is a perfect example. There's tons of gadgets is, in that lot. game. I love that my favorite character to play, Sledge, he has one gadget, and it's a hammer. It's not even a gadget. You can't call that a gadget. <laughs> That's a gadget. <laughs> Isn't Sledge Scottish? He's He's got simple tastes. His gadget is just like a heavy rock on a stick. Maybe if the hammer had like Bluetooth or something, but it doesn't, so no. But if it had Bluetooth, oh my god, just put speakers in the side of the hammer so he could play like bagpipes <laughs> as he's smashing down uh, walls. And you could call it the boombox. <laughs> I want this so bad. I want this in real life, actually. Yeah. Oh. It's the sledgehammer. With Mind oh. you, the, the audio equipment in there would get destroyed the moment you hit a wall. So I've I've got to tell this, this is this is quite an old story. Um, back uh, in my like just after, this is like just after college or yeah, just after college. I, I went to um, <laughs> an anime convention with some old friends and um, I can't remember, like, we were just basically going around and hanging out. Um, I was... Uh, a lot nerdier back in those days, believe it or not. But the <sighs> impossible, um, yeah, exactly. Uh, I we we wanted to, like I was like the idea of like people dressing up and doing like cosplay for these things. But I also liked to like piss people off and make fun of them. So what I did was I came up with a costume idea. So you know the the anime uh, Ghost in the Shell. Yep. Um, okay. I've not seen it, but I know of it. Yeah, so for just quick synopsis for the people that don't know, Ghost in the Shell is a cyberpunk, like, future sci-fi anime uh, where, you know, full-body cybernetics are possible and people can, like, basically... They have, like, you know, jacks in their, their necks and they can plug into computers and interact directly computer-to-brain, uh, that sort of stuff. 
it's called Ghost in the Shell because the shell is the cybernetic body, the ghost is, you know, the, the human mind, human spirit, whatever you want to call yeah. it. It's a very, very good anime. They, they made a movie and then they made a series that was also quite good called Standalone Complex. Doesn't matter. Wasn't the movie by um, the guy that did Resident Evil or something? Oh, no, I'm not talking about the live action movie. I'm talking about the original animated movie. Yeah, no, sorry, I'm aware, but I was just... Yeah, yeah but I think, I think you're right. Um, I'll have to check that after this. But, very famous guy. Anyway, very serious uh, anime, very serious movie, very, like, people think animation, they think it's for a younger audience. This is a very, like... It, I mean, the, when the movie came out in the U.S., I think it was an R-rated animated movie, which was unheard of at the time. But the... Um, so anyway, very serious, very psychological, very thought-provoking. I decided to make the following costume. I got one of those turtle shell sandboxes, took the shell part off, threw a sheet over my my entire body, cut out like eye holes in it, and then filled the turtle shell with cement and tied ropes on it so I could wear it around my back, and then put speakers in it. And I called the costume. So you put cement in it. Yeah, I put cement in it. It wasn't well. I, I couldn't think of an, another way to hold the ropes on, um, and I wanted to actually be a hard. It, the thing weighed like forty pounds. Like I, my back hurt like hell after walking around. Yeah, with that no thing shit. On. <laughs> but the fun thing was there was a dance in, during the convention, and I was able to fall back on the shell and spin around. That was a lot of oh fun. My God. But then I couldn't get back up because it was full of cement. Like a turtle, very uh, very appropriate. <laughs> but but the thing, the reason I bring it up, and you know, the whole joke was I'm the ghost in the shell. Like it yeah. was it was a stupid pun, but it it got exactly what I wanted. I got a, I got laughs out of some people, and I got annoyance out of others. But what nice. I did was in the cement, I embedded two Bluetooth speakers and had those okay. hooked up to my phone so my shell was playing music as i was walking around <laughs> and that's that's what you know talking about the bluetooth hammer that's that's what i was thinking of gotcha. long elaborate story just to get to that point um but <laughs> well, if i had just said minutes. if i had just said um right at the beginning oh this one time i had a concrete filled turtle shell that could play the music that would have made no <laughs> sense i needed context when has anything we've said made sense? Uh, I mean, just look back at this entire first segment. Yeah, I mean, just look at the segments we're going to be discussing today. <laughs> oh, God. All right. You know what? Uh, yeah. that, you're right, though. That is a good good spot to end segment one. Um, yeah. So uh, this is going to be end of segment one of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you will hear us momentarily for segment two. Welcome back to the TMCJ Podcast. We are on segment two, our media segment now. Uh, and we did have movie night in the middle of the day yesterday. We did. I mean, they don't often happen at night anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's, yeah, because, well, for me at least, it happens usually midday because that yeah. would be, like, evening your time. And I've been trying to get my sleep schedule back to normal, so I haven't been up that late. Yeah. So move, movie afternoon, movie lunch break in my case. Yeah. Um, uh, but yes, yeah, so we, we watched a movie that I had been kind of uh, wanting to show people for a, a long time. It, it's a bit older. I, when I did look this up, it came out in 2003, although I first saw it in college, which would have been like 2008, mm. 2009. Um, 
It did give original Transformers movie vibes. Just it the, had the style a very it. yeah. It had a very nineteen like eighties nineteen nineties anime kind of feel to it. Mm. Uh, even though it was made in the you know in the early two thousands. But the movie is called uh, Interstellar Five 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 Five, which I later found out that that those subtitles actually mean something. Like the fives actually stand for something. They actually use the five as S's, so it's like the um, the some. Oh God, I I've I've forgotten it now. <laughs> um, oh, so I look it up while you waffle. Yeah, please look it up while I while I just go. I'll describe the plot. So the the interesting thing about this movie is that there's absolutely no spoken dialogue, but it's not like a silent movie or like that. It's essentially um, they took Daft Punk, the um, kind of I don't know what to call that band or group, whatever they are. It's I mean Story it's just of Secret Star System. Story of Secret Star System. That's what it is. Um, so there's you know Daft Punk, the group. Uh, they their second album, Discovery. The entire movie is set to that album, and the album just plays through, and they have essentially made an anime movie. Some Japanese animation studio, Toei, I think, did the did yeah, the movie, and they just basically created this whole like sci-fi. It's a very simplistic story because, I mean, when I say simplistic, I mean at the very beginning you can kind of guess how most of the plot points are going to happen. You know, some some bit of adversity is going to happen to the main people. They're going to um, go through a, a series of hardships, and then they're going to, you know, break free or be rescued, and then happily ever after. Right? Actually, there were a couple of twists that I didn't see coming. Oh, okay, okay. I'm curious to hear about that when we get into that. But the the basic premise of the plot is um, you've got a, a group of blue people on an alien planet playing music, right? They're playing in a band as the first song plays. Uh, another ship lands and these people get out, like uh, gas the crowd and kidnap the band. And the you know, crowd wakes up and... Sleep gas, that is. Yeah, yeah sleep not, gas. Not. Sleep gas. I, I realized I should emphasize they did wake back up. Um, <laughs> they get... The, the band gets kidnapped and taken back to Earth where they are like um, disguised to look like normal, like a normal human rock band from the eighties um, or nineties, I guess maybe. And they uh, get the guy who kidnapped them. Who it's kind of a, a somewhat mystery who he is, but he he has a spaceship. Uh, they get him to like international fame and acclaim, and they win um, a, an award. That, but then, like, one guy who was from their home area of space followed the guy through his little escapade back to Earth, crash lands, and spends his time eventually breaking some of them free. Um, at which point, you know, they, they rescue the one person that isn't free yet, and then confront the guy who kidnapped them, and eventually, at the end, you know, defeat him and uh, make their way back home. I'm not, like, spoiling too much because I do recommend this movie. It's quite good. Especially because it manages to tell a lot of story and get a lot of nuance across to the audience without any sort of dialogue and without much in the way of sound effects. It's I all... think, and don't take this as a bad way, 
mm. thing, but uh, it's the perfect film to show a class of art students. Mm. I agree with that. It's all about lateral, wait, lateral thinking? The way lateral thinking, word, yeah, that's the word you're looking yeah. for. Um, the, 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 okay, right, I could, I could poke holes in it all day, but I, I appreciate oh. that you kind of got to suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, I, I, first of all, I thought it was going to be a lot shorter. I thought the moment they all got out of their, um, head box things, where they're, uh, the mind control bit. Mind control, that's the word. I thought that was going to be like, they were then going to just beat up the bad guy and go home. Mm. Uh, but no, it was, uh, like, that was only the first third of the story kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot uh, more to the, the struggle behind that. Yeah, and uh, something else that I said when when we just finished the movie, I was like, "So it's a good movie, but the music kind of let it down." <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> which I, is a bit gone. Yeah, I and I, I mentioned this at the end of the movie too. I'm not a huge fan of Daft Punk. Like they have a few songs that I absolutely love, um, but this was like an entire album. And if you're not a huge fan of that genre of music, there are scenes and bits that can get a bit grating. But I will say the story and animation um, carried it for me during those scenes. Yeah, that's what you kind of go there for, and like the also the just the concept of a film with no words. I mean, I know it's been mm. done before, uh, especially with like really old movies. I think. Mm. Um. But it, it, yeah, it's it's interesting, and clearly the story and animation holds its own because. If it didn't, the whole thing would just be a mess. Yeah. And they... So the, the the idea of... And I, this is an idea that I'm pretty positive has been explored in the past. The idea of setting like some sort of visual media um, alongside a uh, an album of a band or a group. Uh, like that... I think is something that it's just a really cool concept to me I, I i can only i said this yesterday i can only think of one maybe two other instances where they've done something similar to this uh the band coheed and cambria had like a, a comic series that went alongside one of their albums i believe right um but yes the um like i said there, there was a lot of uh how can i put this Things that happened which don't really make any sense why they happened. Yeah. Uh, like all of the cultists being like, last one in the lava's a stinky poop. <laughs> and they all just dived off a cliff into lava. I didn't really understand that. But I understood yeah. that it was to progress the plot. And it, it does uh, have a very, like, a very uplifting ending of, like, everyone getting along and working together and everything mm. like that. I didn't see the um, the Space Boy dying. That was one of the twists where I was like, yeah. oh. Yeah, that that's, was... That's nice that it's not going to be a sickly sweet ending, if it, as it were. Well, it, that, it's, it is kind of... It's got, a, it's got a few bittersweet notes at the end there, because, like, um, what was it? His, him and his dream girl, right? They, they finally connect yeah. just in time for him to die. She was my least favorite character, I'm just saying. She, she was basically just there to look good. Yeah, but, I mean, I thought that her character conveyed a lot of, um... You're right, she didn't do much in the movie. She was a damsel in distress for most of it. Yeah, for a good chunk of the movie. She did, and, um... 
I one thing I, I noticed, and I just, I you could tell it, maybe it was a product of its time, and you could tell it was directed and made in Japan. But the um, when they're burying the the one guy, um, Hero Man, he uh, like all everyone's working to like actually shovel dirt in except yeah, she's for not. her. I noticed that <laughs> she she just sits like, there looking the sad. <laughs> just... I, I literally when we were watching that, I was like. Okay, if I was in this situation, yes, I would say, I'll do the digging, it's fine. Hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, well, is that kind of, in this day and age, is that toxic masculinity in, being in like, oh, the woman year. doesn't have to dig? Ugh, fuck my I, life. I, I, I don't um, know. <laughs> yeah, so I was kind of on both sides of that. I was like, on the one hand, I was like, yeah, I would probably do the digging and not ask anyone yeah. else to, but at the same time. Pick up a bloody shovel. Well, <laughs> he yeah. just saved your ass. There's, there's. So I, I got to be careful about how I phrase this. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I obviously, yeah, that that's something that if you think about it from a storytelling perspective, um, let me let me arrange my thoughts. If you think about it from a storytelling <laughs> perspective, yeah, there might be something if it was made in modern day, like Western anywhere. Um, then that could be seen as somewhat chauvinistic. But if you're looking at it from... Like, if you were looking at that the story as if you're looking at real people, there's something um, kind of oddly charming about the fact that she... Th that that one main character she was the main character like i think of the ser of the movie if i if i had to choose one person who was probably the main protagonist i'd say it was her yeah um and i don't know she's just she's an extremely <laughs> feminine character is the way i'd put it like yeah. and when i say feminine i mean like the the stereotypical feminine character but she's not like yeah. a weak character like, because she's the no, one who manages... strong. Yeah, she's the one that manages to find out, like, where the guy is. Like, the guy that kidnapped them all and, hmm. you know, get them to the place they need to be. Like, she was the only one that managed to, like, break through the mind control when she still had the things on her head. Yeah, at, at the beginning, when uh, the guy almost escapes, right, with his hmm. guitar, I was like, okay, he's set up to be the main protagonist. He's going to go off and save the other three. Yeah. Instead, they just got another person who looks just like him, <laughs> and just killed anything that he doesn't like. He doesn't do anything. Yeah, the guitarist isn't really that much of a main character in the movie. Like, no, like the keyboard dude does quite a bit. The keyboard dude's actually kind of a badass. He's the one that infiltrates yeah. the place. You know, he he knocks out the the like the floor washer dude, and like yeah. I don't know, he like the, yeah, the keyboardist is kind of a badass. Mm. He was my favorite character, I should say. Mm. Um, the the drama dude also kind of didn't really do much, but you got the feeling that he was kind of just there as a joke. Yeah, he was character. kind of a, a like a comic relief goofball kind yeah. of guy. Um, also, one of the things I, I really liked is that when they did the they were brief, it went up on the screen very quickly, but their fake identities, like when they were doing like profiles on them, when they were showing how they were getting popular on Earth, they had their fake like origin, their fake like likes and dislikes. The drummer yep. dude, origin, Munich, favorite things, beer. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just made me laugh uh, when I saw that. And I, I, I want to go back and pause it and actually look at, like, the full profiles they made for all of them. Yeah, get the full lore. 
the the keyboardist was supposedly from Brooklyn. Um, the guitarist, who was the most useless, he was supposedly from London. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what they listed him as on that little brief uh, snippet there. Huh. The attire wasn't very... It um, was well, It was very, yeah. like, 80s rock band attire. Yeah. I don't know. Um, like synth, uh, what is it? Like, uh, prog rock. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I think but, they just should have evened out the roles a bit more. Yeah. They, they, they could have been, but again, this is one of the reasons that I, I say that it, it tells a very simple story. Because it can't get into the, the deep nuances you could get into when you have more time to develop and more dialogue. Um, this one, yeah. it's, it's an entirely visual story and the music is there to set the, the, the mood and the theme of the scene. It felt like corners were cut because they, they didn't have enough music to yeah. go with it. Well, right, that's the thing. It has to take place entirely within the span of one album. Yeah, um, and that there was a lot of repeating lines of music. <laughs> oh, the, gosh. My, yeah, like, I'll repeat the joke. There's a song called Too Long, and the, the theme of the scene, it's like it's too long since you've been home, right? Like, that's supposed to be kind of the, the feel you get out of it, but the scene goes on forever, and the song goes on forever, and so... Just repeating the words too long. Yeah, the joke is, that this scene is too long, this song is too long, can we cut to the chase? Yeah. Um, but... Sad but true. We could pick the movie apart, to, and we, we have oh, spent yeah. the last... I'm not even like, mentioning, like, the ghost spirit that followed them through the war. Yeah, the, yeah <laughs> the go there's that, and then there's the, um, the fact that, like, their understanding of, like, physics or if i wanted to be a real cynic the fact that the whole world united together to develop like a brand new space program so they could send these weirdo aliens home instead of dissecting yeah. them like every single thing about the villain was ridiculous yeah it was it was but that's the thing he was an over-the-top like pantomime villain yeah with um, no reason for doing what he was doing but that's why i haven't brought him up until now <laughs> well i think that it was implied that doing that ritual was going to give him the power to essentially dominate the world like it was a very yeah, generic supervillain motivation. They tried to cram in some kind of oh he had a he watched his father die as a child, and then he just became an asshole. Well, it was like, it was implied. What I got out of that scene was that like that meteor crashed and it it like um, made him immortal. Right? It was it was that evil radiation sort of thing that made him into some kind of a you know a weirdo immortal thing and there was space technology and that thing and that's where he got all of his shit from yeah i again i yeah there there are contrivances in the movie but if you just like if you don't look at any piece of it too closely and you just sit back and like just enjoy it it's a very simple straightforward like classic kind of classical feeling kind of story that has a very uplifting ending it'll give Which you some you could... if you don't dig too deep it'll give you some good feelings by the end of the movie well I, I think <laughs> you could kind of write a paper on it that lasts about twice the length of the actual film uh, with all the things that they did with it and very clever things that they did do yeah there's I, um I they, they do a lot with just like with facial expressions and with like visual cues 
yeah. that would normally be handled by dialogue. And I think because you're not listening to dialogue, you're that much more you're focusing that much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah on the visual aspects. Uh, yeah, I thought it, it was quite a, despite the silliness of it all, it, it did lend quite an emotional response. I think. Yeah, and again, if you're looking for like something more serious and sci-fi, this isn't for you. If you're looking for something with like deep character development that subverts your expectations, this isn't what you're then looking watch for. Watch Star Trek. Yeah, right. Well, specifically, watch the Next Generation. Okay. <laughs> anyway. That's an that's an um, excellent series. I, I have not talked enough about that. I was not a Star Trek fan, like really. I never watched Star Trek. Um, but after seeing this the new rebooted Star Trek movie, the first one, I was like, you know what? Maybe the original series are actually pretty good. And I, I went back and I watched uh, Next Generation, okay. which aired during my lifetime. But I was like five. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. Not really a Star Trek fan. I think I tried watching it once, and it was just a bit too, <clears throat> I don't know, dated, I guess, when I was about. <laughs> yeah, well, it depends on which... Like, if you go back to the original one, that's what I did. I tried to watch the original one first with Kirk and Spock and all that, and yeah. I, I couldn't do it. But the one with uh, Jean-Luc Picard, the uh, Patrick Stewart, um, that series was quite good. Okay. Um, with a lot of very a lot of good philosophy and um, character moments and stuff it is very very well done um, but well, no final, but yeah final final thoughts on this movie um, I think I've pretty much given mine at this point um, yeah I, I I enjoyed it I don't think it's it, it's it's not it's artsy right and I appreciate mm. the artsiness uh, it's not the kind of film I would repeatedly watch, but it's interesting in the way that they do things. Yeah. Uh, that's my final review. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and it isn't something that I go back to often. I think I've I've watched that movie maybe four times the whole way through, once in college, once a few years after that, once a few years after that, and once yesterday. Like, mm. it's not a movie that I go back to often, but it's a movie that I'll watch, like... Maybe every I think few it's, years. It's, it'd be great for a family setting. Yes, it's a it's a good, wholesome, feel good kind of movie. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of like old school like cartoons when I was younger. Like the the cartoon, they the, the kind of like the Transformers movie, which I I've talked up extensively, not on the podcast, but you know, in in just personal conversations, I loved that movie. But it has a very similar feel to that, where it's not overly complex but it's complex enough to like really appeal to like the whole family right yeah it's uh yeah it's it's, it's good it's it's mm. ah, words yes i can't say the words it's good too many times in a row <laughs> yes <laughs> good big words it's no distinctively good movie good moving on <laughs> all right go on you you were uh, starting to move into something else that you've been watching this week Yes, well, not this week, this morning, because I was like, I feel like I need something new, something new to binge, so I went to Netflix. Ah, uh, uh, that right, hive it's a of pro scum Netflix and villainy. Yes, uh, a terrible people go, which is why I love it. No. Um, I've been watching Cobra Kai. Oh, I've heard such good things about this. So, 
if anyone out there has seen Karate Kid, which anyone my age or older should have done, mm-hmm. uh, Alicia not, and I was very disappointed in her. <laughs> Be fair, I, I didn't see that movie for most of my life, and I think I've... Really? I, 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 I have seen it since, but... It, okay. it took me well, a long... It was a classic movie. It was one of those classic movies I never saw when I should have and got back to it later. Gosh. Cobra Kai is uh, like a, a, a TV series which followed on from uh, a film called Karate Kid. Karate Kid's a very old film where there was uh, like this guy who got bullied, picked on, and the, the bullies were kind of in this rival gang. Not gang. Dojo. Uh, they went uh, a karate dojo called Cobra Kai and so the film's all about this scrawny kid with the help of Mr. Miyagi his teacher um, training him up to beat Cobra Kai in this final world championship and it's a really good film very much uh, very highly rated uh, I think there was a second film, but I think it's one that no one really talks about because it's one of those bad sequels. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty it, accurate. But the uh, this yes, this TV series on Netflix um, it takes uh, the characters from the end of the first film and it says, right, twenty years later, here's the here's the main asshole from the first one. He's a bum. He's like he's not doing well in life. And uh, he sees a kid getting picked on, and it's kind of a reversal of roles, right? Uh, David, Sam, whatever is the, the protagonist from the first film, is now a big time like car dealer. He's got lots of money. He's got an amazing house, a family, all these things, mm-hmm. and he becomes a bit of a prick. Um, yeah. But not a massive prick. Like, I he's, still he's think he's a good person. He's smug, right? Like, would that, yeah, would that be a smug. fair characterization? He's, he's gotten smug because of his success. Yeah, but it's obvious that he actually does care. Like, when there's a lot about his, like, family. He's got a daughter and a son. And he cares a lot about his daughter. Um, he wants them to grow up properly, not to be, like, on games and stuff the whole time. Uh... <laughs> And yeah, so this uh, the Cobra Kai dude, um, he helps this kid that's uh, being beaten up by uh, a bunch of other school kids, and he sets up a Cobra Kai dojo, and he, in the the true Cobra Kai fashion, it's like no nonsense, right? It's mm. <laughs> that's why the the he he's he's very uh, how can I say it. Um, of his time, he's his morals and ethics are that of someone who's uh, like lived through the eighties, kind of thing. Yeah, where <laughs> like the first time that his student is um, like in the dojo with him, he's like, "All right, give me thirty press ups on your knuckles," and the kid gets down. And he's like, "Can't do one." <laughs> he starts having like a an asthma problem, and the sensei is like. What the what what are you doing? And picks up his asthma inhaler, throws it against a wall, it smashes apart. <laughs> and the kid's like, oh. Uh, okay, I guess that's not a thing. We can't just like we, we just gotta buckle down no matter what. And don't do this in real life because 
I can be quite dangerous. Well, yeah, no, you'll um, get sued also. Oh yeah, the things that he 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 at one point he ties the kid's hands up, takes him to a swimming pool in the middle of the night, and pushes the kid in. He's like, "Use your feet. Keep your hand above the water. Just fucking, you're a cobra car. You can't die. Just do it." <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, this kid's gonna go fucking run to the police any second, but he doesn't for whatever reason. Anyway, several times there's things that happen, and the the guy, the leader of the cobra car, the sensei, is like. What's this? And I, there's going to be profuse language for warning, so if you're, you know, affected by language, then... Yeah, if you have sensitive pause. virgin eardrums, then close them. He's he's like, stop being a pussy! Like, people online telling you that you're a piece of shit. In my day, you went up to someone and called them a piece of shit to their face. Uh... And there's a respect to being an asshole back in my day, and it's like very. <laughs> it's it's rough. He's he's a total dickhead, right? Yeah, it's it's Absolutely. rough and it's callous, but I. But that's kind of how you forge the best steel is in flame. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, he doesn't take shit from nobody. Uh. Yeah, and so he starts getting. He gets another person. Like the first episode pretty slow, it kind of warms you into it. Mm. In the, I can't remember if it's the second episode or third episode, second episode it definitely picks up and it gets a lot better. Kind of gets you pumped. Like That's why I went out for a run before we did the uh, podcast today, because I was like feeling pumped after a couple of episodes of this. Mm. And yeah, it, it does refer back to the Karate Kid in some very funny times. Like, you know the, the classic wax on, wax off thing, right? <laughs> This is, this is in the preview for the series, which I've watched, and I found this hilarious. Um, you know the the wait, wait, have you heard about what I'm about to say? Yes, I, I have, but the audience hasn't. Go on. Uh, okay, so the classic thing is, like, um, when David San in the first uh, Karate Kid is, like, washing a window, and uh, they they call back to it, they're like, uh, the guy's washing one of the windows in, uh, in the Cobra Kai studio, because it's kind of run down. He's like, am I doing this right, Sensei? And the Sensei Tendro are like, I don't give a shit, just wash the window. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, in the original, it was it was a technique to it. Wax on, yeah. wax it off. Just training him through the... the yeah, through through uh, just like disciplined chores or something like that. Through the chores, that. yeah, exactly. Yeah. This guy, this one, nah, just, I don't give a shit. The window, just fucking clean it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yes, it's it has some really funny moments. It has some... I... Uh, going quite intense. Go going going back to something that we talked about. I I think it was last podcast. Um, we 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 kind of ventured into Easter egg territory after we talked about product placement, and I, I'm thinking that this is this is an example of how to do like reference right. Like you're referencing the source material, you're referring back to it, but you're doing it in kind of like a logical like the it, like it's not like you know th that happens and then they they all turn to the camera and like laugh you sheep yeah. uh it's more like it's just it's it's more subtle like the audience mm. will get it if they've seen the original but it's not like in your face so so yeah, much and it's it's funny there are a lot of subtleties one of the, the probably the best subtlety i find is that clearly the show revolves around these two people the, the bum and the rich guy right yeah neither of them are good people Neither of them are bad people. Like, they're yeah, yeah this, they're this very human. Sensei, 
the sensei is trying to train up a guy through, eh, not the most PC means, but he's training a guy up so he doesn't get beaten up, basically. Yeah. But at the same time, that sensei then gets drunk one night, swaps a, a couple of cans of beer for a spray paint can, and draws a giant cock on the rich guy's billboard going into his mouth. Uh, so he's not good. At all. He's not a good person. Um, some of his morals are good, though, and it is very funny. Um, I mean... I think I've sold Kaiser on it. <laughs> I, well, I've, I've wanted to watch this for a while, but now hearing more details, I think I'm going to have to. It's... Mm. So something I was thinking about listening to your whole description of it... Um, Talking about how this guy has a very, very harsh philosophy um, to train up the kid, but the kid doesn't run and actually sticks it out and he keeps does. going with him. I, this is my, my thinking, is that I think the movies both were products of their... Like, the movie and then this series, um, both philosophies had a point at their time. So when the original one came out, it was what the the late '80s, early '90s, right? Um, right? I can't remember when it first came out, but it, it was it was a time of more like you know noise and conflict and like aggression, right? Yeah. And so the Mr. Miyagi philosophy of just like this this calm and reserved nature, the you know the non-aggression and discipline and defense, it like it. It struck a much uh, like a strong chord, and it was a it was a much needed message. I think mm. now now it's more like the opposite. You, you exactly. We're in an opposite. We're in, people are seem to be a lot more passive. They're a lot more sensitive. They're a lot more, you know, hurt by everything. Really, it's it's yeah. it's the and exact that doesn't opposite. Mean, that doesn't mean people need to be aggressive. No, it no. It means that people need to. When you see something going wrong in the world. You don't just sit on the sidelines and do nothing about yeah, it. Yeah, you, you speak up and you say something about it. Aggression doesn't necessarily... Aggression is probably the wrong word. Maybe uh, disagreeableness or um, mm. whatever the word is. You, oh, Cobra Kai is all about aggression. <laughs> you're, yes, yes. Okay, I'm, I'm talking from a philosophical standpoint. Yes. But my, my but, point yeah. is I think that the, the whole Cobra Kai thing, the message that it's giving like now, like it's, it's almost... You're right. It, everything you described is very non-PC. Probably would get him sued if not arrested. Oh yeah, he would. Yeah, absolutely arrested. But for that reason, I think that's why it's very cathartic to watch somebody like grow more disciplined through those harsher like methods. Because now mm. everything is coded in like five layers of like softness. It's like yeah, you, they really. Sorry. No, no, no. Just I was saying, like in, in modern day, if you want to actually, I, I'm thinking about at work when I have to like tell somebody to, um, like you know what they need to do, or if they've made a mistake on something, I have to be very careful about how I say it. I have to be, I have to go through like five layers yeah. of corporate speak before I can actually there's, get to my point. There's a scene that I think you would fucking love because uh, it's just very funny. Yeah. Um, and I okay. Actually, I feel like I. I, I mean, no offense to people when I say this. This is uh, one of the scenes. Um, there, it's, it's set inside the school, and there's a teacher who's like, "There's one of the children here who, and I won't name names, but they have 
that mother called me the other day because her son was crying because of his facial deformity was being picked on. Which, by the way, that shit does happen in school. Well, yeah. Where the teachers literally basically tell you without telling you. Yeah. And that shit is horrible. That is. It's um, awful. She goes on and she's like, all right, so it's Halloween this week, the Halloween party. And we thought we should have this small discussion about maybe we shouldn't go, people shouldn't go for like the, the stereotypical slutty nurse costume anymore this year. I mean, it's not very nice. Maybe oh instead they should go as like a, uh, hmm, a non-binary hospital worker. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, shit. Like the, the show was very clearly making a joke out of it. Yeah. Uh, oh my god <laughs> it's like one of these things that you just can't say these days but Netflix can say it somehow well it's because uh, Netflix doesn't have like advertisers like the, the audience are the people paying for it like yeah so like Netflix uh, it, can get away with it's a shocking thing like that other studios wouldn't be able to get away with but they do I think just, it's good but it, it is it is hilarious though the um yeah but that that's that was kind of my point is that it seems like this show is a very intelligent and very comedic commentary on the times. And the same was true yeah. for the original. So I think in that regard, from what you're describing to me at least, and from what I've seen on the preview of it, um, it seems to be a show that uh, you know carries forward that same sort of... It has the same spirit of the original one. Mm. Um, I, that's me talking having not seen it. I'll try to actually watch a little bit of it this uh, this week because I've been I just I finished playing Cyberpunk um, I beat it yeah. so I, I've got quite a bit of time left to uh, go around and maybe watch something yeah. else in my free time I mean I started it this morning and I'm already on I think episode 5 now well that really yeah that speaks well to a, to a series then if, if you can plow through it, it. yeah also I'm a terrible I'm a binger <laughs> yeah, binge watching is. I mean, I do the exact same thing when I find like, like a what was it? The series Vikings. I I watched like the first four seasons of that in like a few weeks, and I honestly got got kind of sick, like burnt out on it, which is why I haven't talked about it recently. Yeah, for those I, weeks you did talk about it every single week on the podcast. <laughs> I did. I did. But, well, now I'm back to watching it again. So actually, hold up. There is something I wanted to talk about about Vikings. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I just. I right, want... Is it short? Because we haven't got much time. Okay, okay, fine. We're, we're going to go over a little bit. But okay. Vikings, right? So, um, something that I've. I've. I kind of got this impression, and it's almost getting worse in the later seasons. They really. I don't know why they do this. If they feel it's necessary for character development or to not piss off, like, people with, you know politically correct intentions but all of yeah. the women come across as psychopaths like yeah, I kind of understand the reason behind that like I'm just thinking like um, they, there's the, these two people like one of them is like perfectly like he he pulls off some sketchy political dealings to dethrone the one of the female earls right, right. and um you know she but she to be in her like in his defense she'd been gone for like a year and all the people were getting restless and he basically just took over in her absence and yep. they end up like kind of coming to a mutual understanding they decide to do a like a cooperative rule and she you know she threatens him a lot at first but that's it and then it goes on 
for like an entire season with them like slowly growing closer and closer and then they're gonna get married and then on their wedding day like she's still acting all happy getting in her dress and everything and when he comes to see her just before the wedding she stabs the shit out of him Jesus and kills him and then takes over again and I'm like okay like I understand like the the whole like they were trying to make her seem like a, a more shrewd political operative but everything leading up to that point like that, that's the kind of thing a sociopath would do like being all happy go lucky complete showing no signs throughout that entire like season long thing that she was in any way like harboring a motive for like vengeance and then out of nowhere with a smile on her face and she's in the wedding dress and ready to go and she shanks the fuck out of him like th th that's that's only the most recent example in the series but there's quite a few that are like situations like that where i think they're trying to it, it seems like a lazy writer trying to make the female characters seem strong and they well exactly also when i when i said um I can kind of understand why the women are psychopaths in it. That was not a, uh, a suggestion that women are psychopaths. <laughs> that was the the but, something that's very popular in, in media these days. It's, it's is a, to make women more um, uh, more 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 the dominant figures. Show that they have yeah. bigger balls than the men quite a lot in a lot of well, shows it, and TV programs. Yeah, this this calls back to a much earlier podcast where we talked about like modern tropes and how I'm just yeah. kind of getting burnt out on them. Like, if I grew up in the 80s, I probably would have gotten sick of the, you know, the action hero trope. Like, the, the muscle-bound guy, like, mowing down legions of people. It, by, like, the 10th movie, I probably would have been burnt out on it. But now that, you're right, that's the, the, modern, the modern trope for a lot of, like, female action stars, is rather than giving them depth and complexity and um, trying to make them seem like interesting characters and strong in their own right... They basically just make them like smoke and drink and kill a bunch of people, like yeah. <laughs> it's I... like it's lazy writer's shorthand for this is a strong character. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's like, I mean, obviously one of the greatest female roles I think has been uh, Ripley from Alien vs. Yes, Predator, it will. Which, oh my god, you haven't seen that film, have you? I haven't seen the film, but I I do know oh, who you're god. talking about, and I've I've. Yeah, I've seen plenty she, she, of people talking on... about the original movies. Yeah, especially the I don't know the first and the second one are both like must watches. Maybe that'll yeah. be one of the movie nights. Um, but she doesn't. She, she's not going around with like an Arnold Schwarzenegger minigun, cutting down aliens everywhere she goes. No, mm. it's all about the survival, making the right choices, and yeah. putting up with a great deal of pain just so that herself or other people can survive. Yeah, they make and... her an actual strong character rather yeah. than just making her like show off superficial strengths. Yeah. And she has her weaknesses. Yeah. Um some that she gets over, some that she doesn't, but yeah, she she's a great role model, I think. Yeah. Even a fictitious one. Yeah, so, and, I, and it's just one of those things that it annoys me because so much else in the show is well-written. Because there's, there's characters that do very similar things to what she does, but the show tries to put her in a very sympathetic light and portray her as this very shrewd, intelligent, political operative. Yes, I know we're going over time. That beep came through. 
Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do it subtly because this is like the longest we've done. Well, I, I've completely forgotten to put myself on Do Not Disturb, so the Discord beep did come through. Uh, um, all right. <laughs> I will I will summarize my thoughts with this one last little, little point. Okay. So I've already described how this character acts, right? And yep. the show tries to put her in a light of how she's a very intelligent, shrewd political operative, right? Mm -hmm. There's another character in the game who does almost exactly the same thing, right? And they portray him as a bumbling buffoon who is like making a hash of his political dealings. But he does exactly the same things. And then there's a third character who is... Well, actually, two other characters. I'll use a male and female example. Um, one is the main guy, Ragnar Lothbrook. Like, they... they take the time like he kills people too but there's he they take the time to develop him as a very shrewd and like interesting character there's times where he has the opportunity to slaughter his enemies and he specifically fights not to because he's got a plan in the works and it might not be good for the person he spared but he's clearly you know thinking several steps ahead and you can see when he's on his way to do something as a character the other one is a French princess who shows up, I think, in the third or fourth season. She, like, at first seems like a bit of a... Like, she's clearly the the voice behind her, her father, the king. Like, she's the one kind of influencing him. And she, they do do a good job of portraying her as a very shrewd political operative. Um, she's very, like, you know, interesting and manipulative. And she ends up getting into, like, a forced arranged marriage... But, and at first she's like throwing a tantrum, doesn't really like it, is like really against it. But she eventually figures out how she can use it for her own political machinations and gain power from it. So I know that the people who are writing the show can do good character development and can like portray people in an intelligent way, both male and female. But for whatever reason, there's like a handful of main like female protagonists in the show that they just make a ham-fisted just hash of it alright that's my final thoughts I won't go any further we are at like 40 minutes into the recording so I'll end uh, segment 2 there unless you have any anything uh, left to say nope nothing left to say okay this is the end of segment 2 of the TMCJ podcast uh, you will hear us again momentarily for segment 3 where a long awaited promise will finally be fulfilled Blue has read a certain dinosaur aficionado uh, book. So, uh, yeah, look forward to that. Um, in the meantime, thank you for listening. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We are on segment three, our wild card, which, dear God, this week is it a wild card. I hope um, you're ready for story time, kids. All right. So if um, I do put an explicit tag on these podcasts when I upload them, so just you've been warned. It's that dinosaur thing that we've been waiting on and promised since God knows yeah, when. Like episode two or something. Yeah, we talked about it way back then, and some of our listeners have not let us forget. So with that being said, take it away, Blue. Well, we uh, we committed, and, uh, well, I committed. <laughs> yeah, I thought it might be funnier and easier on my mental state if I didn't, and I, he yeah, just tried my, to describe it to me. My Audible 
uh, account is now forever <laughs> cursed with a half an hour rendition of um, uh, a, a tale that goes by the name of Ravaged by the T- Triceratops. Uh, now, post, no, pre, pre-podcast, we discussed and said that we think it's best if I change the wording of the uh, story so that we don't get quite as hard hit by the demonetization. Well, not that we're being monetized anyway, but we'll try and offend the least number of people possible. So for the sake of uh, all those out there, we will be talking today about a story about uh, primarily about fishing. Okay. Uh, like I said, it's a half hour book. <laughs> I what? do not recommend you pick it up. Uh, but if, I don't know if you're weird enough, then maybe you want to listen to it to hear the full gory details. Yeah, if you're intrigued by this, uh, first seek psychological help, and then uh... yep, and, and then still don't buy the book. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, it's a weird one. So the story begins. It's uh, set in, I assume, some kind of Jurassic era where uh, there's tribes of humans and one of the rights to becoming a uh, fully-fledged grown-up woman is that uh, they have to surpass this uh, challenge where they, without wearing... Uh, much. They have to pick a wild animal that they have to go out and kill with, like, just the tools of the land. They're not allowed outside of help, etc., etc. So, there's three, these three women, one of them's like, I'll take on this creature, and everyone's like, ah. Another woman's like, I'll take on this creature, ooh. And then, the, the final woman, who is the, uh, the, the protagonist is like, I'm going to take on a trihorn. Yes, they call them trihorns in the book, not triceratops, even though the book is called Ravaged by the Triceratops. <coughs> anyway. Uh, sorry, did you just choke? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I forgot right. what the title of the book was. Yes. <coughs> uh, so, so uh, she goes back to her hut. And she gets a visit from the the chief's the chief of the tribe's son, and he's like, "Hey, check out my new fishing rod." And she's like, "Oh, that's really cool. Let me have a look at it." And she takes a very close look at his fishing rod. Then he's like, "Cool. Good luck with the hunt and everything." Wait, I'm sorry. Is the fishing rod a metaphor? Da ba ba ba. It's all about fishing, Kaiser. There's no metaphors here. Oh my god. Uh, And so she's like, oh, I know a great fishing hole. And so they go off and do fishing in the fishing hole. Um, Fishing is a very weird euphemism for this. I'm sorry. Well, it's. It's. I didn't come up with a plan for this, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe, like, I'm the kind of person who, like, needs to have these sorts of things put in euphemistic language because I honestly thought you were actually talking about fishing until that moment. <laughs> we're totally talking about fishing. Anyone out there listening? Definitely fishing. Okay, go uh, on. So, 
she sets off after her fishing experience, uh, and she comes across some footprints, and she very quickly tracks one of these trihorns, uh, and in fact finds two of them, a small one and a big one. And at this point, maybe I'm metagaming in the world of books, but I was like, well, this is a f pretty fucking obvious how this is going to go down. She's like, I'm going to take on the little one. So she throws a rock at it. And, <laughs> oh, big surprise, the uh, the little one was a female trihorn, and the big one was the mate of that trihorn, and so it, the big one, suddenly happens to be a man, who would have guessed, uh, starts, like, charging at her, and so she's like, right, fuck it, we're gonna enact the plan. So she stands in front of a cliff, and she's like, Come at me, you big bugger. Uh, oh and God. then at the last second, she steps to the side and it buries its three horns into the cliff. And her plan is then to pick up an axe, which I, I, now I think about it, I don't know how she got hold of. Um, <laughs> considering she was not wearing much. Uh, and she tries to cut it behind the neck but the trihorn breaks through the cliff, causes a small landslide, and she blacks out. Then, she comes to. She's in a cave, underground, and she's lying on a mossy bed with, like, leaves and stuff. She's like, like, what the fuck? Medieval roofie? Like, is, it, is that what just happened here? What? Stone Age roofie? No, no, that was all legit. That actually happened. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious what you thought now. <laughs> Go on. There was no actual metaphors in that last part. <laughs> okay, that was all literal. All right, let's let's keep yes. going. Um, and so yeah, so she gets up and she's like, "Huh, oh, that's weird." Starts going towards the cave entrance. Like, oh my god, there's a trihorn at the cave entrance, looking out, guarding something. That's weird, what could it be guarding? And she, it turns around and she's like, Oh, it had a... In its eyes were full of rage and also lust. Uh, oh, I snapped one of its horns when it charged into the cliff and now its female friend does not want to be its friend anymore. Um... Uh, so she starts backing up away from the thing, trips over on one of those cave rocks. Oh no! And falls uh, back onto the like the bed of dry leaves and shit. I don't know. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's like looking at her, full of hatred and lust. And so she decides that she needs to teach it how to fish. <laughs> and then some Barry so, White starts playing. The uh, the Triceratops is like, huh, I I would love if you showed me how to uh, assemble this fishing rod. So she uh, assembles his fishing rod, makes a real long and sturdy one, uh, and then they go off fishing, and oh. he also fishes in the, the same fishing hole that she showed her friend back at the village. Oh my god. And um, then she 
uh, is exhausted after all of that fishing. So she falls asleep on the leaves, wakes up, and the Triceratops is nowhere to be seen. Uh, so she takes her, uh, takes the advantage and runs away from the cave. Uh, she eventually stumbles all the way home, despite not knowing quite where she was. Um, and then the just as she like collapses on the ground, the villagers find her and they're like. So did you kill the monster? And she's like, no. And they're like, but I slayed the beast. (laughs) But, (laughs) and the closing line of the, of the book is, which I don't agree with, but I found a way to tame them. All right. She did not tame it in any fucking way. All right. (laughs) I mean, Uh, and it just cuts off there. And that's the story of ravaged by the Triceratops. Well, that really uh, is. I mean, that you know what? Credit where credit's due. That is a parable for the ages. I mean, I was... So I listened to it just after the last podcast we did. So yeah. I'd started doing the uh, the thumbnail. It was about two minutes into doing the thumbnail. I was like, alright, I'm going to save. Close this all down. I'd get an alcoholic drink and just... <laughs> fucking... Oh, God. Oh, so yes, now none of you have to read that book. Uh, I hope you're I all kind satisfied of out there to. that wanted it. I kind of want to listen to it now. Are you serious? What the fuck? I have so many questions. Um, I mean, you're more than welcome to ask them, but I will have to respond to them in euphemism. Alright, well here here's question number one. How did she walk back to the village and think she'd be like <laughs> bow-legged for a week? <laughs> It was a very strenuous fishing trip. That's why she fell asleep afterwards. Okay. Um, and, uh, fuck, I don't know. Um, I guess, I guess the fishing rod that she made for him was not as um, large and sturdy. You know, as one might suggest that a Triceratops's fishing rod would need to be. Of all the with. segments that we didn't have me on face cam. Why this one? Like I should have. <laughs> like if I wish you could have seen my facial expression as you were telling the story, like uh, it would if have I was been on the fucking face cam. It's just like a fucking traffic red traffic light the whole fucking time. Oh my god! Wait, <sighs> wait what? Because I'm fucking red from having to explain this shit. <laughs> um, the I I think it's quite a sad story because um at the end of the day the 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 trihorn. Is left without a friend to uh, fish with. Well, yeah, that's that's true, and I mean, it's it's kind of fucked up what the the female trihorn did too, because like you know what she leaves him because he just gets like a slightly disfiguring injury. Like that's that's yeah. horrible. Like I mean, fuck, I bet she was down the the fishing club with Freddy the Triceratops the next day. Yeah, that slut. Freddy and his God. his his perfectly pristine three horns. Yeah, he's catching all the bass. Um, <laughs> uh, also, yeah, there's there's a lot wrong with the story. For a start, where did she get the axe? Second of all, I mean, well, it, like, I mean, to be fair, maybe she was keeping it somewhere. I don't think triceratops are that stupid that they would run into a wall. It is the well, I mean, but it is a trihorn, not a triceratops. So maybe they have smaller brains. I okay, so this is something that I think I can explain. 
I think okay. this person watched the land before time before they wrote the story. Which or is, they got them confused with bulls and bullfighting. Well, so, well, I mean, no, not the not the running the cliffs, calling them trihorns instead of triceratopses. It, it's one of those like classic uh, like tropes of like a primitive society or like a, a more simple minded person, uh, essentially describing the thing. Like it's it's a way to make it sound more because triceratops is a very academic sounding name for the thing, but a trihorn is what conceivably like a cave person would call them, yeah. right? Because it's like it it's three the less horns. scientific term. Exactly. Yeah. So I, that I think I can explain. Um. In terms of why they went in that direction. Well, I mean, it has four horns, Kaiser. You forget well, the fishing rod. Did, did this book have, like, a, a rating on Amazon? Like, how many stars did this get? Because uh, I, I can look I, it up quickly. Yeah, go ahead. It's in my fucking library now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And it's never going away. Um, oh. God. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> for some reason, because I got that, um, that, uh, that terrible long audiobook about a person that reads people's minds. <laughs> Audible is still recommending me books like Jesus and the Essences. Oh my god. Well, all uh, after reading that. I mean, it's my my Audible stuff is just all like all my recommendations are like all kinds of confused. Yeah. Oh, oh also, the podcast is available on Audible. Oh, I, is it? I thought I should mention that. Because nice. I did it through, I, because I, I had it in Amazon, they actually, um, they actually, uh, yeah, it's, it's also available on Audible. So I, I added it to my Ooh. Audible library on my phone so I can see whenever it publishes. So for the sake of all the weird people out there that want to listen to this book, uh, it's, as I said, Ravished by the Triceratops. Uh, it's under Dinosaur Erotica in Audible. Why is by that a genre? Christy Sims and Alara Branwin. Narrated by Buck J- Oh, that's another thing. But it's already- it's narrated, right? By like, I'd say probably like a 70-year-old dude. Yeah. His name is Very Buck Johnson? <laughs> a 70-year-old dude describing a fishing rod going into a- anyway. Into a pond. Um, it's 33 minutes long. Um, Wait, I'm sorry, did you say got- the guy's name was Buck Johnson? Buck J. Deet. Oh, I don't know what the middle name is. J. Deet. Uh, it's got three ratings, and it's 3.7 stars. Oh, well, there you go. Should I read some of the... I, uh, I don't know. I think I'm more the... surprised that it was written by a... <laughs> well, actually, no. I, I don't, I'm not surprised Doing. at all. Because um, I'm, I'm thinking back of, like... Do you want to read like... the, the comments that are left on the book? I Give me a second. So, two, two things. One, um... I was about to say I'm surprised it was written by two women, and then I was like, no, I'm not surprised. Because um, I have actually read, like, erotic novels before, and I've found that a lot of them are written by women. Um, Two, I... Speaking of it, like, a 70-year-old man describing these sorts of things, if if people haven't seen it, look up um, Fifty Shades of Grey, narrated by Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, for reference, he's the guy who um, he's the guy who voiced Iago in the Aladdin movies. The "Oh my God" kind of voice. Yeah, the para. Yeah. So imagine him narrating an erotic novel like Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, okay, go ahead, read the comments. Let's hear it. 
Okay, so there's... Uh, I'll start with the five-star ones, of course. Yeah. Uh, there's two five-stars and one three-star. So okay. One person said, loved it. Great book. Kept my attention all the way to the end. Amazing audio delivery. Loved it. <laughs> that person needs help. <laughs> uh, next. Well, this was different. A lot tamer than you would think. But how do you cram an erotic story in a tiny book? Very carefully, I would imagine. Oh. All this is what I said. I'm sorry. Even You've the reviews are euphemisms. Uh, and the last one is a, quite a longer comment. Beleria and the Trihorn. So I think the main character is called Beleria. Okay. This was an interesting story where Beleria had to kill a Trihorn for her tribe, which is almost impossible. She ends up with the Trihorn taking the place of her fishing mate. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Buck Deet did a great job with the narration. I received this free copy audiobook at my request and have voluntarily left this review. Maybe we should leave a review. Honestly, yeah. Why, why, we probably should. But do I want my Audible account being any more cursed than it already is? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. Yeah. Oof. If only we could leave a review from the podcast. Like, just like, hey, we read this on our podcast. Or not, not read it, but we, we talked make... about it on our podcast. I know we've talked about making an Audible account for the podcast specifically. Maybe that's... Yeah, that's it might be we something we, we decide to do if we do more of these, like, book review segments. Yeah, maybe we should do a story time uh, segment every, like, month or so. Story time or, like, a, or even just, like, a book review portion. Like, where one of us yeah. has read something and we talk about it. Um, but, but not to get too far into uh, just, you know, talking about how we're managing and working on the podcast... <laughs> I, I just. Sorry, God. I don't know. I. <sighs> what? There are fetishes out there that I don't understand. <laughs> like, I let yeah, me... no, it's. Go on. I I've, I, I consider myself uh, like well traveled in the. Uh, in the areas of looking at like that sort of that sort of thing, like just mainly out of curiosity, looking at the different sort of um, reading, reading like um, er like erotic uh, manga mostly, and just like looking at the the different sorts of uh, scenarios, fetishes, and things that people put into those. This is one that I never thought would actually have its. It has its own category on Amazon. Like what? Yep. Like, I, it's something I never thought would be big enough to have its own category. I, like, said it as a joke, like, umpteen podcast back, and... But hey, if it, uh, if it gets people to read it, then... But, I mean, yeah, um, I, I guess it's out. I mean, we you read it. <laughs> I think if... If... If this gets uh, back by popular demand, I've definitely found the next one that we... Needs to be read, and I think you need to read the next one. If we okay. do, okay. If we do, if um, we do another one of these, I will be the one that does it. I think I found an excellent follow-up. All right. Okay. Just to give you the title and yep. the uh, subtitle, uh, it's called Pimp Dino, <laughs> and then the subcategory, not category, the subtitle, Fifty Scales of Grey, Book Two. I have the biggest smile on my face right now. That's the picture for the book, right? I just sent you. Oh my god. For everyone else, <laughs> that looks who can't like it's it, like the shittiest Photoshop I've ever seen. It's, in my life. it's like a dinosaur with a 
purple like zebra stripe hat and a pimp cane. And a, uh, and a blonde girl dressed woman. like Tinkerbell laying on a rock. Yeah. Laying on a rock with like an exploding volcano in the background. Uh, if you are interested, that is it, like twice the length of the book that we just read. It's narrated by the same guy. Different, yes. uh, different producer though. So if you do <laughs> yes. want more of this, that's absolutely where we're going next. All right. Yeah. Okay. And if we, if we do another one of these, then um, uh, but yeah, if you're watching this on YouTube, comment. If not, yeah, respond to us on Twitter. <laughs> tell us to tell us to do more of these. But I or you know, if you know us personally, just message us. But. It, yeah, yeah, the next one of these, I will, I will bite the bullet, and I will be the person who listens to it. <laughs> and hopefully, we'll have an account set up for Kim's um, usually podcast on Audible, but so we can leave a comment. I, I kind of, uh, I didn't, I didn't. Sorry, I just, I'm, I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, no, you got to finish. Um, going back to finish my my thought from earlier, just about these like kind of weird niche fetishes. Um. I, I, like, I don't have a problem with them existing. Like, I think it's like, okay, yeah, it, you do you. If, if it's yeah. if it's for you, then it's for you. It's we just... We aren't kink-shaming, we're just... Fascinated by it. Yeah, mildly bemused, to say the least. Yeah. From the morbid curiosity. We're, we're like anthropologists <laughs> going into a, a, a realm or tribe that we neither knew about nor understood. Don't bring up tribes, Kaiser, I'm getting flashbacks. <laughs> 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 so much fishing so much I rod a, I took a sip of tea right as you said that <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh my god uh, but yes pimp my dino holy shit it's not pimp my dino it's pimp dino pimp dino and that. by the way the eyes in pimp and dino have diamonds above them instead of dots yeah he's a classy dino pimp <laughs> oh my uh, god yeah can't wait for the re- for the reactions from this video. That's for sure. <laughs> Jesus, I mean, we we gave people a warning at the beginning, so we did. We still got seven minutes left. We need we need more content. Fuck. Oh, God, we could talk about anything. We could. Oh, actually, you know what? I know exactly what I want to talk about because I'm finally going to be able to. So, do you remember like a few podcasts, something a little bit more tame on the subject of books still and talking about them? Yeah. So a few uh, weeks back, I mentioned that uh, a friend of mine, um, well, a few friends of mine have been doing like a book. Oh, yeah, that was that book you were going to finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. And so I've finished it, and I finished it uh, two weeks ago, actually. But uh, I I didn't want to talk about it on the podcast because I know one of the people in that book club listens to this. At least one of them. I think two of them actually do. And so I didn't want to give my thoughts away because they did invite me in as like kind of just a a guest to to chat about it since I I read the book as well. Uh, Do you think we're going to start introducing Dino Orgy books into their book club? Oh my god, I really want to. Um, But no, the the actual book club to talk about it is tonight. And that's why now I can talk about it because this podcast goes up next week. Yeah. They'll hear about it after they've already heard about it. Gotcha. So the, the book is called Atonement. And it's set in, like, 1920s, 1930s uh, UK. Mm-hmm. And to an extent in France after World War II breaks out. Okay, yeah. Um, the first part of the book is, like, a kind of a well-off family living out in the countryside in England. And through a contrived series... It's mostly just, like... The, the first part is heavily character development-driven. And it, it honestly 
so I've read um, the Diary of Anne Frank. We have to read it in school, and I read the unabridged version later in life, just because I'm always fascinated about reading like first-person accounts of what yeah. like life was like in another era. Yeah. And that's what that book really boils down to. It's it's a diary, but you know what I mean. But this book does something similar, where it's it's almost like a first-person account of life at the time. Um, yeah. And it, it goes through it's a lot the of economic worries and yeah, war. yeah, yeah. It's it's more focused on the the people, like the because the individuals who are like living through this. The era. peasants, <laughs> not well. These these weren't peasants actually. They were they were very they were a very well off family. Oh, okay, but not the middle class or upper class. Upper class. So like okay. where they had their own estate and a pool, which was I I don't I assume rare at the time. They had their own groundskeeper and live in help. Um, mm. there were also some like lower class people there who were, were friends with them from the local town or village. Okay. So they weren't the stereotypical assholes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the mother was a bit of a bitch, but so basically what happens is through a contrived series of events, like the, their, their groundskeeper, her son, who's always been very good friends with the, the children of the family that live in this estate. Um, the, he kind of hits it off with one of the the uh, the eldest daughter of the upper class family, and the two of them have been yeah. friends their whole lives. They went to college together. In fact, her father financed him going to college. He ended up being very intelligent and graduating like at the top of his class or something like that. And now he wants mm. to go off to medical school and great great ambitions. And but there's there's kind of become like an awkwardness that's grown between the two of these two. Um, they're both in like their early 20s and um, essentially they're both slowly coming to the realization that they actually have feelings for each other. It's it's a cute little romance, but the thing is they also have a younger sister who is uh, probably the worst human being in existence. She is like very introverted um uh, but is obsessed with writing, obsessed with writing these fanciful stories, and she tries her hand at making a play, but she's very pretentious. She wants everything to be just just so, right? Yeah. Um, and she sees the interaction between, like, her sister and this older boy, and she, like, in her mind is thinking of all these fanciful stories of, like, you know, evil people stealing women off and things like that. And mm. he finally comes to like the realization before like a dinner party that he is in love with this older well not older but the the older sister she's younger than yeah. him but you know what i mean yeah, yeah i get you and so he writes a letter to her to apologize and also to kind of softly confess his feelings but to kind of just get out his frustration he also writes a more vulgar letter now and he doesn't show that unfortunately he mixes the two of them up Oh, of course you fucking that. That annoys me. But because you wouldn't fuck that up. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't. In theory, um, like maybe if you're like a angsty teenager, you might fuck it up. But he was like 24, I think. I'm like, come on, guy. Anyway, yeah, no. so he uh, he, but to he thinks that oh, maybe it's better if she sees the letter because he still thinks he has the right letter. Maybe it's better if she sees the letter and his apology before he gets there. And so he gives it to the younger sister who he meets on the road and she runs off and of course being the curious little prick that she is opens it and reads <laughs> it and reads the vulgar letter and suddenly thinks that this guy is a horrible person and everything like that 
and yeah. they have like a younger like uh, another cousin who's like 16 living with them the, the younger sister being like 13 um and uh the 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 16 year old cousin like convinces her that he's he's a he's a psychopath like he's he's a maniac and but the the older sister the one that's you know has feelings for this guy she also yeah. sees the letter and it's it's vulgar but it kind of like snaps something in her head where she suddenly realizes like it's it's vulgar and it's horrible but i have these same feelings for him too like right. the, the, the that's, it's a smutty thing not a disgusting yeah it's thing. it's not it's not like a horrible like oh fuck you you're horrible it it was more of a just like you know i want to um go fishing Intense with you feelings yeah yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, to use your metaphor from earlier. Yes. I would like to catch cod together. <laughs> and so they like they meet in the front entryway and the two of them like there's there's not really much words exchanged between them, but they kind of go off to a quiet place in the house and they go fishing. Fish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> they, this is never, this metaphor is never going away. I, I'm feeling it right now. Um, and that happens, but the, the younger sister walks in on them at the end of the event. Oh, dear. And so now she's, she, her fears are confirmed. She doesn't see his mackerel, does she? No, 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 no. But she, she sees in the darkness them kind of pushed up in a corner. And in her okay. mind, he's assaulting her, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. He, she doesn't have an idea of she doesn't have the full like idea of what this interaction is, but she thinks of it, it like it's clearly a violent act, right? In her okay. mind. Yeah. And so uh, later in the night, um, the the cousin, the sixteen year old cousin, actually does get assaulted by um, another person in the dark, and the younger sister comes on her just as that event is ending, and she makes the does Walter know? Hmm comes upon her did yeah you say? comes upon her okay like right as the event is ending and then sees kind of a large male figure leaving and she jumps to the conclusion that it's this so guy, it's the guy. Yeah, and okay. then swears to it in her mind she knows it's him she didn't see his face she didn't see anything that would distinguish just a, a male figure leaving and the fa- okay. she so she basically levels a false accusation against this guy and is so adamant that this is what happened he ends up going to prison Right. Okay. And then in the second half of the book, um, he's over in France fighting in World War II, having negotiated early release because uh, because you know to join the infantry. And yeah. it's revealed. And that in... still happens these days. Yeah, yeah. And it's revealed in these chapters that um, he's kept in connection with the the girl that he had feelings for, and she never believed any of it. Like she thinks her sister was just being silly, which she was. Um. You know, so being so silly that it ruined her her friend's life. Um, yeah. And uh, so she's kept in correspondence with him. They when he gets out for the infantry, they finally see each other again, and they like you know embrace and kiss, and it's you know it's a very sweet scene. But then soon enough, he's sent off to war. Um. And you know the the war happens. I, I won't Is go this into World War Two or to World War Two. So we're talking nineteen thirties. And I won't go into too great a detail about what exactly happens, um, but essentially the the younger girl, when she grows up, finally realizes, you know, her mistake and what she did wrong, 
and is trying to find redemption for it. Um, tragically, that never happens. Um, the the guy dies of like a infection uh, from a shrapnel wound over in France, and her sister dies in bombing in <laughs> London. For a, th- for a second, there, I thought you were going to say from a fish. No, 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 no. Shrapnel. It's fish infections. Um, uh, shrapnel wound. And her sister gets bombed to death. And she, the, the younger Jesus. sister never finds redemption. Um, oh. What's it's annoying about Romeo the and Juliet book, ending, then. No, yeah, they never get that far. But they, they tease you with it. They, yeah. like, they make it seem like he made it home and that he and his, like, the girl finally reunite and that the younger sister finally meets up with them and finds her path to redemption by telling everyone what actually happened and everything and mm. revealing the true assailant um, to use does the younger use... sister is the younger sister what? I was going to say does the younger sister go out and do anything with her life after the fact? she becomes a novelist okay and she writes a uh quote-unquote fictional account of everything that happened changing just enough details and names to not be liable because it turns out that the guy who actually performed the assault went on to become a lord and so the legal mechanism behind him would not allow her to actually say what happened because you know basically she just ended up profiteering from her sister and yes she is a shitty person in the beginning of the book, realizes she's a sh- shitty person in the middle of the book, then, and then does because she's a it. coward, she does nothing about it and profiteers off the misery of her dead sibling and her boyfriend, okay. which she sent away for a crime he didn't commit. Because there was two ways I thought that could have ended, which would have been better, which were both extremes, which are A, she either goes out and does something right and decides to help people in similar circumstances or help in the war effort or something, which he kind of stood for. Uh, or, alternatively, she goes super angry and starts trying to like tear down everything that he was a part of. I think both of them would have been better endings from the yeah. sound of it. No, she ends up being just a milquetoast coward who writes books about what quote-unquote happened. And okay. in the books, she's a little bit more of a hero. Oh, so really? she, she finds redemption by writing fan fiction about a time where she found redemption. Yelta's history, yeah. It is, honestly... So, I, I like the story, but I, I also like very depressing stories. Like, I'm, I'm a fan okay. of, <laughs> like, kind of the darker, more depressing kind of um, narratives. They cheer me up. Yeah. Um, the story up to that point sounded pretty good. It was, and it was. Like, part one of the book was very interesting. I loved, like, the period, like, descriptions and the way they described the characters and the the environment and the social like structures and everything i thought that was all mm. very well done and they switched perspectives very well even the second part was pretty good but it was in the in the end where they finally revealed like that you know he didn't make it home it, her sister died and the younger one never found redemption and ended up just profiting off the misery of the other two mm. Based on your, sorry, I thought you finished. No, no, no. And it's just, but the final thoughts on that is just, it it is a very bittersweet and tragic ending. But the character who quote unquote found atonement, the title of the book, never mm. does. She's just a shithead from beginning to end. <laughs> um, based on your uh, pretty pretty strong knowledge of the period, um, mm. would you say it was like historically accurate? Yes. 
Okay. They they actually put a large emphasis on historical. Like there's a the third part of the book takes place in a London uh, hospital that's getting ready to receive war like casualties, okay. and they're they they go they go into great detail about like the training the nursing staff had to get through and like how medical procedures were. Um, yeah. In the beginning of the book, they they actually do a very good job. Um, describing and replicating what the social structure was like how people would have talked and interacted i found it to be very and even even the the war bits in france talking about the supply chains and the chain of command how soldiers interacted and dealt with each other it was all very i found it yeah yeah i i found it all to be very historically accurate did it talk about like the wall street crash and stuff no it it really focused more on the people Okay. Um, I mean, because that would, like, massively affect the economy, economy, and so a lot of the people, so I wondered if that had a influence it, over their decisions. It would, but it, it mostly focused on, like, so this was after the Wall Street crash happened. So it's, the book starts and opens in the mid-1930s, in the lead Oh, that's what you said, it went from 20 to 30s. I thought but... 20s at first, and then I was going back in my head, I'm like, no, it actually didn't. So it started in like the the early to mid thirties, and then um, concluded at the in the middle of World War Two, and then so oh, in the middle of World War II. so the um, so it wasn't it wasn't very big time period then. No, no, no. The whole book takes place within the span of like maybe five to eight years. Gotcha. And it skips several years right in the middle. Yeah. Uh, I think it's. Skips... Oh yeah, I suppose when they all go separate ways and do yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, it skips that whole time period from when he gets arrested all the way until the war starts, and his like his interaction in the war. He was part of the first expeditionary force into France, and most of his chapter is him and his troop making their way back to Dunkirk. Oh, okay, so it talks about his life. In, like, does it? Does he send letters home, or does yes? He talk well, about it does. Actual... It does talk about the letters back and forth, oh, that's cool. and the breakdown of the supply chain and the mail to get the letters back and forth. Mm. Yeah, sounds interesting. It, honestly, the book was quite. It it was surprisingly good, um, mm. but the ending. <laughs> so my friend, that, my friend that told me to read this book, absolutely hated and despised the ending. Oh, I'm glad. Um, <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> I I didn't despise the ending, but I think it reinforced my opinion that the younger sister was a horrible person. Yeah, I think just she she was from start to finish a terrible person, and I think she was a terrible person not out of malice but out of ignorance and cowardice. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I I assume the book doesn't try and paint her in a good light. It it honestly does a very good job painting everyone in a neutral light. Okay, like that's it, good. Like that that was kudos to the writer. Um, this person was able to like you never had a, a strong feeling that anyone was trying to be shown as good or evil. Uh, they mm. they all came across very neutral, and it was up to you as the reader to go all right, this person's a bad person or this person's a good person and make your own conclusions as to why. Gotcha. Well, cool. Got any uh, final thoughts on it? Um, well written, <coughs> bittersweet ending. Um, 
compelling characters, and a shithead narrator. <laughs> uh, in the form of that, that one kid. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's, it's worth a read if that sounds like your cup of tea. It's definitely more focused on character and story than it is on the wider world. Um, it's definitely like a zoomed-in focus on people rather than like a more macro focus. So not, not my normal type of book, um, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> I think we've already got your final thoughts on the book you read, so... Uh... Well, yeah, we don't need to get back into that. I feel like it's been a nice calm down after that. Yeah. All right, uh, let's let's end it there then. Yep. Um, all right, this is the going to be the end of episode 24 of the TMCJ podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. And uh, let us know if you want us to do more of these, uh, these book discussions. Uh, but until then, thank you for listening, and hopefully you'll tune in again next week. Have an awesome week. <laughs>